Testament without the New, and we can never understand the New without the Old Testament. Early on in my ministry, I told you this a few weeks ago, I had so many people say when we were studying a book of the Bible like uh, Joshua or something like that, I wish you'd get to the New Testament and talk about Jesus. Well, I was still learning how to put Jesus on every page in the Old Testament as well as the New. But we're learning that together, aren't we? That Jesus, his plan for us, began before Genesis, and it continues after Revelation. What a plan. Does God change his mind over time? No. Did God ever change his plan over time? No. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can we trust him? Yes. Can we trust the New York Times or Fox News or whatever? No. We, we don't know who to trust anymore, right? We just don't know. And I'm not picking on any organization. I'm just saying that there's a lot of, what do they call it, fake news, they call it. And even the fake news is fake now. You have different levels of fake out there, and you have to figure out which is the less, what, the least fake? That's horrible. But we can trust Jesus. And the plan of God began before the beginning of time and continues forever. And we're right smack dab in the middle of that plan. Hebrews gives us a telescope to focus on Jesus instead of a microscope to focus on my weaknesses, our weaknesses. I am so good at thinking about, boy, I wish I could do this better. I wish I felt better. I wish my health was better today. Uh, Lee was saying, I'm here today, and I know that when I feel good, I'm going to be here. But if I don't feel good, I'm not going to be here. But, you know, we all feel like that. But with Jesus, we go past that. We don't think about how we feel and what we're going through. All of a sudden, we're focused on Jesus. I will fix my eyes on Jesus, the author, finisher of my faith. Now, this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you a second tool. Remember, I gave you that, uh, we handed out those business cards. And I hope all of you took a few of those. And um, what I want to do this morning is to not only give you something to hand to somebody to invite him to come to Easter, but also I want to go over at least uh, several of the points of what we believe and why we believe it, okay? Because if you're going to invite somebody to Easter and they say, well, what is your church about anyway? I just want to go over some of those. And your notes page today doesn't have any fill-ins, so stay awake anyway. Okay, but I didn't put fill-ins in there so you can hand this to somebody who says, what's your church all about? It's called Grace Church. Where's the name Baptist? Isn't that supposed to be in there? And what kind of Baptists are you? Are you conservative, southern, eastern, western, whatever kind of Baptist? Say simply, we're Grace Church and we're Baptist, but mainly we love Jesus. And here are our core values. So everybody have a sermon notes page this morning? Okay.
uh, I want to go over number one, first of all. In fact, as we go over these together, let's see how we're doing with some of these, because if we believe these, we better be practicing these at the same time. First of all, the centrality of God. Can you read that all right? Okay, if not, just look at your, your paper. That's a little small, but the centrality of God. First of all, we believe God to be the creator of all that exists, over which he is the sovereign ruler. God is the source of all eternal values and life. By the way, I'm glad you're reading this because if you haven't read this and you find something you don't believe, come talk to me. Or if you have a question about it. I don't think you will, but if you did, we explore the scripture together. God is the source of all eternal values and life. We believe that eternal life is found in the person of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. We believe the Holy Spirit, who draws us to Jesus for that life and leads and counsels us unto a maturing relationship with the Savior. Now, what's important about that word person? We believe in the person of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. That's a key word. Why is that a key word? Anybody have a good answer for me off the top of your head? Bill. So Jesus is the second. Okay, you're talking about the Trinity there, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. See, you, you, you have trouble explaining it just like we all do, right, with the Trinity. Here's what I was trying to get to. You've got that right about the Trinity. What I'm trying to get to is that in John 4:14, and someone says to you, uh, "I don't want to believe in something I, someone I can't see, like God." You say, "Well, you can't see God because John 4:14 says, "God, we worship God in spirit and in truth, because God is a spirit. We worship God in spirit and truth." But the most amazing thing is that God the Father sent his son Jesus who became a what? Person. So that 
the God that we worship in spirit and truth and who's so amazing and we look in the Bible and see him on the throne and we're going, we still don't know what he looks like because it's so hard to imagine the description we're given. Jesus became a person and he is a second person of the Trinity and by Jesus becoming a person, it means he became flesh and blood for us. I read this past week, and I like this. Jesus was born for the purpose of dying. Now, we, we are all born, and we all are going to die, but we don't consider that our primary purpose. But Jesus was born for the purpose of dying, and on Easter, we're going to celebrate how he smashed that barrier between life and death. First of all, because he was a flesh and blood person, from God who is spirit so that we can see what God looks like and see the heart of God and see how God functions and see God's attitudes and how God speaks and how God treats us. That's why that word person is important. Jesus needed to be flesh and blood. Otherwise, there is no hope for us. Jesus not only became flesh and blood, but he rose above that flesh and bloodness, right? I know it's not a word, but it worked. He rose above that by being God at the same time, and his perfection gives us victory over sin, over death. Anyway, that's the centrality of God. That's number one. God's first in everything, through everything, the creator of all. Secondly, the authority of the Bible. The Bible is an indispensable value to mankind because in it we find the source of eternal life and the way to live in harmony within God's expressed will. Two things, how to have eternal life and how to know what God wants us to do. They're found in the Bible. The Bible is our roadmap for living. We find the Bible to be the sole and final authority for our belief and behavior. I hope you have noticed over the years that when I speak to you, I speak from God's word. And if I have an opinion, I tell you for sure that this is an opinion. But most of all, the most important things always have to come directly from what God says. Because what John says is only temporal at times, and half the time it might not be right. Especially interpreting some of the things that we see there. But John's really confident when he's saying, here's what the Bible says, and here's what you need to do about it. So if someone says to you, uh, I really have a struggle with this social issue. Well, that's fine. You can struggle with it, but I want to tell you what God has to say about it, and I'm following what he says. All of a sudden, you're not even saying what you say. You're just saying, here's what God says. And you know, God wants the best for me. He wants the best for me in my life. He wants me to be happy. He wants you to be happy. And if we follow his plan, it's going to be a whole lot better than anything else we could come up with. That's where the Bible comes into play. So how are we doing here? Are we following the Bible? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. I know. And folks, if you ever catch me saying something that doesn't really jive with what you see in Scripture, you get on my case right away. Okay? That's how we sharpen each other. We make sure of that. Number three, Christian community. And again, this is a tool for you to share with somebody who says, why should I visit your church? I mean, what are you, what are you all about? Christian community. We understand the church to be a community of loving and caring individuals who are drawn together in the common bond of Jesus Christ. Within this community is found mutual love, acceptance, and discipline as we live in an impersonal and fragmented world. Boy, that's a heavy, heavy paragraph, isn't it? There's a lot in there. Are we loving and caring individuals? I think we do pretty well. Yeah, I've been in a lot of churches, and you probably have too, but I, I look forward to seeing you and being with you. And hopefully you feel the same way because that's, that's a part of who we are, to encourage each other, right, with that loving and caring. And it's not just loving and caring, but we're drawn together because of who? Oh, Irene, you answer everything. Somebody else. Who? Because of Jesus, right? Okay, this is not the Elks Club. This is not Malala Bowl, okay? This is not the Ross Coleman Invitational, right? We're drawn together because of Jesus Christ. And so you'll see as we go through Hebrews, it's all about Jesus. That's the only thing that can help us. We understand the church to be a community of loving and caring individuals who are drawn together in the common bond of Jesus Christ. Within this, within this community is found mutual love, acceptance, and discipline. Acceptance and discipline, those are two good words to put together. Because sometimes you can be too accepting and not tell somebody, hey, you better get your act together. And sometimes the best way to accept somebody is to say, hey, you better get your act together. And sometimes the best way to accept someone is to realize that they're not doing something wrong, they're just different. And that they love Jesus just as much as you do. So just put up with it. Right? You've got that side of it as well. And I tell you folks, um, churches don't always get that right. And, and we have roller coasters at times where a church can be too accepting. Also, I've seen churches that are so discipline-minded that they forget that love that's supposed to be there. I guess the best example is read through the Gospels and see, see uh, how Jesus treated his disciples. Those guys were turkeys half the time. They really were, and, and they really made a lot of mistakes, but at the same time, Jesus corrected them. He didn't let them get away with it, but he loved them consistently and moved them in a direction that pointed them to maturity in their faith. So Jesus is our best example of how to combine acceptance and discipline together. And there again, we have the person of God who is spirit visible to us so that we can see how he functions, how we should function. That's the Christian community. Number four, life transformation. 
We expect the Holy Spirit to change people, no matter where they are in their spiritual journey. We anticipate that lives will be transformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ as we participate in the building up of one another in love. Folks, I don't think our, expect, our expectations are high enough. Okay? That's one of the things that I'd like to work on with you as a church. If they were high enough, I think the baptism wouldn't be dry as much as it is. Okay? We need to see more people coming to Christ. And, and not just coming to Christ, but so serious are saying, hey, I want to show others my dedication to Jesus. Would you please baptize me, Pastor? Right? I'm talking about myself, too. Um, it's, it's like, uh, Jesus, you are so powerful, and you sent your Holy Spirit, who is so powerful in us and through us. What, what are you going to do today rather than, oh, where are you? You see the difference there? What are you going to do today? Even with me. Thank you. That's your promise. Father, just help me to be available to you. In other words, I don't want to pass out those stupid little business cards, but Lord, I'm going to make myself available to you, and if there's somebody that I should do it to, would you give me a swift kick so I do it? And thank you that you're good at that. And I'm going to expect you to do that because you are good at that. And anything that draws people to you and to the functions of your kingdom and your power and your glory and your joy and your peace, you want to see that happen. So we just have to raise our expectations. Number five, Great Commission Ministry. We are committed to the Great Commission of the Savior to make disciples of all nations. This is done through local and extended ministry activities. You know something? We are really good at opening our facilities and everything we have to our community. I had someone at the, at the um, bank say, oh, you're a pastor? Where are you pastor? I said, Grace Church. Oh, are they the ones with refit? You guys are doing a lot in the community, aren't you? That's the perception. Well, the point is, yeah, we're doing a lot in the communi community, but we need to do more ourselves, okay? Rather than saying, oh, there's a room. Go lead people to Jesus, right? <laughs> it's say, hey, I want to be in the room with you so I can share in that joy. So when I bring up Cowboy Church, it's not just to bring in another group, but how can we get involved in the Great Commission, seeing people come to Jesus, and is that one way we could do that? I don't have the answer for that yet, but I like the question. Now, not only do we want to see people come to Jesus, we want to see them grow, too. And I'm seeing that the groups that are growing the most are those that don't distance, or the people that are growing the most are the ones that don't distance themselves from each other, but that they get together. So that's sort of small groups, isn't it? Um, we have a lot of small groups here that we don't even call small groups. Our, our worship team, boy, that's fun. Every week we get together, we pray, we worship together so we can worship with you. 
That's drawn us close together. Lee's class, man, that's a blast. Talking about Abraham this morning uh, from Hebrews chapter 11. And um, it has become not only a class, but we pray together. And we can share things together because we're getting to know each other and trust each other enough to say, hey, I can be real in there. Um, we have several other groups that we, we, uh, we work with and work together. Our leadership, our, our, uh, the Lord is working. So folks, don't distance yourself from the people of God. Run toward them rather than away. Find the best way for you. Bill and Laura, we were supposed to have small group this afternoon. I thought it was next week. But I can't wait to get together with you and spend more time in the Word and to grow. So the Great Commission ministry, number six, evangelism and discipleship. We recognize a ministry is a process, and we must be winning, equipping, building, and reproducing church. As people are evangelized, they are reached, and as they are taught, they are equipped. And upon being properly equipped, they reproduce by reaching and teaching others who then in turn reproduce. One of my areas of maturing as a pastor is to realize that my job is to equip you. And it's not to run every blasted ministry of the church. But what's happened as I've seen that is that I've realized there are so many gifted people out there who are stepping up in other areas so that together we are winning, equipping. Oh, we're not doing a very good job winning yet. But we are equipping. No, are we? Yeah, we're equipping. And we are building. Now we're not reproducing very well. But two out of four, we've got got to work on all four of those, okay? The winning, the equipping, building, and reproducing. But the thing I'm most thankful for is that I'm seeing more of a team, okay, rather than just a Lee thing or a Don thing or a, a Pastor John thing. Thank you. We need each other. And the team begins with prayer. A lot of you are going, um, Shirley, what you go through with the, the chemo, is that once a week that you're taking that? Every three weeks. And you go through ups and downs. And, and different ones of you have gone through different areas of, and times in your life of health. So there are times when you don't feel like doing anything, where you used to feel like doing stuff all the time. But that's where you pray. That's where you get on the front lines and thank you for your prayers. Mom, same way. I'm so glad to see you this morning. But there are weeks that it's just tough, isn't it? But thank you for praying. You guys are right on the front line. Don't forget that. Satan wants you to forget that, right? You feel like I'm out in left field, second string. That's not true. But that winning, equipping, building, and reproducing begins with prayer. Now, our first priority this past year, we've been working in the area of prayer, and I think we have a long way to go, but we have made progress by praying together. Thank you for encouraging me with that. And now we're working in the area of faith, and that faith specifically as it relates to faith in Jesus from the book of Hebrews. So let's be praying that the Lord builds our faith, that we have high expectations for what God's going to do. First of all, in ourselves personally, then in our church, 
By the way, here's one area of expectation that uh, I'm going to challenge you with right now. We gave up on children, and we're not going to do it anymore. Okay? By giving up on children, I don't mean we gave up on them, but it sort of looks like it, right? And what, what it looks like is we don't have a nursery, we don't have a Sunday school, we don't have a youth group. That sort of looks like you gave up on stuff. Well, we don't want to do that. Um, the thing that hit me a few weeks ago, that couple that came and sat back about where Val and Irma are, and they had a little girl with them, and halfway through the service they left because there wasn't children's church. Uh, that's a glaring thing, right? So this morning we, we started children's church again, and I have several people who are willing to teach it, and I'm writing the Joey Chronicles again that tie in the message with something for kids. I have fun doing that. But see, I can do that. I can help in children's church. I can't fix the nursery. And uh, if you notice on those business cards, by faith I'm saying that on Easter Sunday, and you know, I'd love to see every Sunday after that, somehow we figure out a way that we at least begin with nursery and children's church so parents don't walk out halfway through the service because there's nothing for their kids, right? You see, if we have high expectations for what God's going to do, we better get ready for it. Now, that doesn't fix youth group, and that doesn't fix children's church yet. Or it doesn't fix children's Sunday school yet. Those are four areas total. But if we work on two for Easter, that's my prayer. So would you pray with me in those two areas? If the Lord wants you to either help in the nursery or say, hey, I'm available at least one time a month or something if you need it. You have somebody coordinating it to tell me to come in, I'll be there. Let me know. And uh, if you'd like to share the Joey Chronicles, hi, Leland. If you'd like to share the Joey Chronicles um, that I'm writing each week, let me know. Because we want younger parents to come, and we need to have higher expectations that they will come because you guys are worthy of getting to know because you love Jesus. We want them to come so we can build relationship together. Now, does that help? That gives you six specific points. If somebody says, here's what we believe, we're not perfect in everything. Some of them are doing better than others, but this is what we're working toward. That's a tool for you. Well, I have a praise. I have my son coming here this week from Sandpoint, Idaho, and our whole family is going to be, be together in the same house Wednesday night. So would you pray for safety for them as they travel over? It's been several years since we've all been together. And if you hear some ruckus being raised over off of Tolliver Avenue, that's us on Wednesday night, okay? <laughs> yeah, good ruckus. Um, Lee, would you come on up here and close us in prayer? And uh, let's be praying for Easter. If you have any questions, uh, especially... Uh, by the way, uh, Elena, the project coordinator and the things that we're doing, why are we doing that? To bring people to Jesus. That's why. It's not to pick up extra weeds. Those are always going to be there. But you know, the more we make things look good out there, the more people say, like they said yesterday, thank you for such a beautiful place so we can come. Thank you. Let's stand, if you will. 
that's all got a smile like Leland's on his face. <laughs> Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, God, as we've said all morning long, we are looking forward to what you are going to do amongst us. We don't know what it is going to be. We don't know how you're going to work it out. But Lord, it's spring, and that's the time of new life. So we're expecting you to move not only in, in our individual hearts to, to bring new life within us, but we're expecting you to work within our church body to bring new life and growth so that we can be the beacon of light in this community that you've planted us here to be. Lord, help us prepare. Help us prepare our hearts now and put feet to our faith and to invite other people to, to join.